Gemara Moed Katan Daf Yud Chet. Our Masechet has been dedicated by our good friend Mr. Martin Arani for the Fuah Shlema Rabbi Tzalel Ben Mazal Tov El Narefanalo Betoch Shar Chole Yisrael. Amen. We begin today's Daf on. Well, we'll start on Yud Zayin Amud Bet, and we'll start four lines from the bottom. Tanu Lebanan. We have a brighter. Kishem she amru asul legaleyach b'moed, kach asul litol seponayim b'moed. The bread of Yehuda. So the first halacha that the Yehuda says is just like it's forbidden to cut one's hair on chol moed. Similarly, it's asul to cut one's nails on chol moed. But the Yosef matir. But the Yosef says no. Nails is a different uh, is a different item. It's possible that Rabbi Yosef doesn't make the gezerah. Rabbi Yehuda will make the gezerah that if we're going to allow a person to cut his nails on Chola Mo'ed, he's going to wait to cut his nails until Chola Mo'ed. And then he's going to go into the Mo'ed when he's minuval. So therefore you tell him, you can't cut your nails on Chola Mo'ed, so therefore he'll be forced to do it before. However, Rabbi Yosef will hold that leaving long fingernails is so disgusting that we're not worried about somebody leaving their nails until Hola Mo'ed. Therefore, while hair, somebody might do it, but not by the nails. And therefore, he'll say it's permissible to actually cut them on Hola Mo'ed. And we're not concerned that he's going to wait until Hola Mo'ed. And now the Gemara continues. And the Gemara says, Ukshem. Sha'amru Avel Asur Legalayah Bime Ablo. And just like it says that an Avel, somebody that was in mourning, is Asur to cut his hair during the mourning period. Kach Asur Litol Siponaim Bime Ablo, Tevere Biuda. So similarly, he says, the Biuda, that it's forbidden for a mourner to cut his nails. Again, that would also be a sign of Avelut. And Rabbi Yoseh says that it's mutaz. So Rabbi Yoseh is lenient in both cases. He's lenient on Chola Mo'ed. And he's also lenient avelut to cut nails. Amar Ula. Ula says halakha karabi Yehuda be'avel. That means we're strict, Ula says. When it comes to avel, avel... But he takes the halakha when it comes to mo'ed, which is his lenient. Now, Gemara says, Shemuel Amar, halakha follows Rabbi Yoseh on mo'ed, meaning it'll be permissible to cut one's nails on hola mo'ed, which is indeed the halakha. And it's permissible for one to cut the nails also, like Rabbi Yoseh, when it comes to Evel. Why? The Amar Shemuel, because Shemuel made a statement in a different place. That the Halakha follows the lenient opinion. And whenever we have a Mahloket amongst the Tanaim, and we have a lenient opinion, and we're discussing the laws of Avelut, Shemuel's rule is we always side with the lenient opinion in a Tanayic argument of Avelut. And therefore, since we have a Tanayic argument over here between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yoseh, and Rabbi Yoseh is the one that's lenient to cut one's nails, so therefore, we learn from here that it is indeed mutar. And the Gibran now gives a few incidents regarding this halakha. Pinchas. Ahud de Mor Shemuel. So Pinhas was the brother of Mor Shemuel. be milta. So somebody died as a relative to him, and therefore he was thrown into Avelut. Al Shemuel So Shemuel went to visit him, or as we would say, he went to be Menachel Menachem Avel to speak to him, to give him consolation. Hazinu, when he got there, he saw, he noticed, that his nails, his fingernails, 
He noticed that Pinhas's nails were very long. Obviously, he was not cutting them. So Shavuel told him, I don't know why you don't cut your nails. If you were in mourning, would you be so lenient? If this would happen to you, would you do the same thing? So the Gemara comes along and says that when he said that to Shemuel, if this would happen to you, so he opened his mouth. It was like a, a mistake, a shigaga, an accident that came out of the mouth of the ruler. It's like if the ruler by mistake says, kill that person. So they killed him. But then it was a mistake. The fact that he told him if this would happen to you, so then as if he's telling him that if you became Avel, as if he made a ruling, because when the tzaddik talks, you have to be careful. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, somebody in Shemuel's family passed away. So the rabbi's words, Pinhas's words, actually came true. Although he didn't wish him bad, but he said, if it would happen to you. And then Gemara says, reverse story. Now, Pinhas went to visit Shemuel. Now Shemuel was sitting. Shaklinu so he cut his nails. And what did he eat in front of him? That's Shemuel. And he threw them in his face. Meaning in a sign of anger. Don't you hold of the rabbinic rule that says that there's a covenant to the lips? That you have to be careful the way you talk? When I visited you, you told me if it would happen to you. Now look what happened. It happened to me. And therefore, he says, what do you mean? You don't have uh, that tradition? Do you have to be careful what you say? Don't wish anything on somebody else? And don't even say something that can be interpreted negatively? And therefore, he cut his nails and he threw it at him. As if to say, it's your fault that, I, uh, that I'm ba'abidud. But, of course, we know that he must have picked up the nails afterwards because we know you're not supposed to leave the nails in, a, uh, in the public place. So, if, like, as we'll see now, that a pregnant lady doesn't uh, walk on them. But, again, because he was angry, so therefore, he, uh, she does tell us, that after he threw them, he collected them. Because, again, somebody that throws the fingernails and leaves them there is called Rasha. Now, the Gemara says, How do we know that there's a covenant to the lips? That you have to be careful what you say. Now, it works both ways. This is the Gibara is going to give you in a positive way. Which means, Abraham Abinu was taking Yitzhak on the Akedah. He didn't expect to return Yitzhak Abinu. He expected to come back alone. But when he told the Ne'arim, we're going to serve, Vinashuva is plural, we will return to you. And because Abraham said it, his words had an effect. They actually both came back. So you see, again, he didn't have kabana in that sense. He said it, the word came out of his mouth. But you see, when the word comes out of the mouth, the word has power. Sabur now the Gemara continues. Back to the cutting the nails during Avelut. They thought, that the only leniency is to cut the hand. Why? The fingernails. Because you can see them, they're exposed. But regel, which is usually covered, so therefore he thought that there's no leniency during Avelut. Amar of Anand bar I learned from Shemuel, which means there's no difference. It's mutar for avel ben biyad ben beregel. Amar abchiyab bar asher. So Abchiyab bar asher came along and said, Amarav 
ubigenustra asur. Very important condition that although they're allowing the person to cut the nails on during avilut, but they're not allowing the use of a genustra, which Rashi tells us is a misparayim, is the scissors. That mean they could do it by cutting it with their fingers, they could use a, another type of apparatus, but not something that's ex- ex- exclusively used for cutting nails. Amar of Shaman bar Abba, we continue the story, I was in the Met Midrash of Rabbi Yohanan, and he cut his fingernails with his teeth. And he then threw them. Now we learn a few things from this. Number one, we learn Tlat. We learn three things. First you see that it's permissible, like we learned above from Rabbi Yoseh, that it's permissible to cut your nails on Chola Mo'ed. After all, the Rab was cutting his nails. And we also see that what? That it's not considered a mi'us, a uh, disgusting thing to cut your nails with your, uh, with your, with, with, with your teeth. <coughs> Normally, you cannot do disgusting things in front of people. You're not allowed to spit in front of somebody. You're not allowed to kill a bug in front of somebody. And now, we see he's cutting his nails with his fingers. You see, obviously, that's not part of the items that are disgusting to do in front of people. You learn the third thing. That it's permissible to throw the nails. Because what did he do after? He threw the nails. We have a contradiction. There's three levels of people regarding the way they discard their nails. Hakovran Sadiq. The one that buries them after he cuts his nails, he's called a Sadiq. But there's a higher level. Sorfan Hasid. If he burns them, that means you won't be able to dig them up even. He's even a higher level. He's Hasid. Zorkan, but somebody just throws them in the public. Rasha. Why is he Rasha? Why is it so bad? That maybe a pregnant woman will pass by over them and she will have a miscarriage. As a mahlokit, is this, she'll have a miscarriage because it's just disgusting and she'll be revolted by it? Or is it because it's something spiritual and there's a, some type of uh, you know spiritual energy from the nails that can cause the lady to have a miscarriage. It actually sounds like that, because the Gemara will say in a second, an interesting condition. Anyway, the Gemara is questioning the Yohanan, how can he throw the nails if we just said over here that if somebody throws the nails, it's considered Rasha. The Gemara answers, Isha be midrasha lo There's no ladies in the Bet Midrash. And therefore, since the whole reason is you're worried about a pregnant lady that's going to walk by and get a miscarriage in a place where you don't have to be worried about pregnant ladies, namely in the Beit Midrash, you don't have to be concerned. The Gemara says, wait, that which means sometimes what's going to happen, they're going to collect all these nails and then and they're going to throw them outside. And what's going to happen? Outside the Beit Midrash, there's going to be a pregnant lady that comes. So therefore, even though you don't have to be worried about the nails that are in the Beit Midrash, you have to be worried when they're discarded and thrown outside. The Yabarat says we have a rule. Once already they move from the original place, they don't have the ability to cause damage anymore. It's only to about the fingernails that fall in the place when you cut them. But once you pick them up and throw them somewhere else, so therefore, it loses its power, it's a negative power. So from here you learn, it sounds like it's a negative power. Because if it's just because it's disgusting, what do I care if it's in the place where they fell or it's in the place down the block? A fingernail is a fingernail. Ela the pshat must be, it's something spiritual. It only has the negativity when it lands in that spot. However, once already it, uh, it moves, it's going to be permissible. That's why they say in halakha, 
after a person cuts his nails, he should try to cut in a place where he could flush them away. But maybe some of them, you know, jumped away. So therefore, you should sweep the area. Once you sweep the area, so you move them. You move them from the place where they landed, at least will not have the negative effect. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav, Zug ba mehamatan lifne rabbi. A zug, a pair of hakamim came from hamatam, it's a place, in front of rabbi. Omor zutra matni, and some have it in the name of more zutra. Zug ba mehamatan, again, a group of rabbis, a pair, lifne rabbi, ubikshu mimenu tzipurnayim. And they asked them the question regarding Sipornayim. What was the question? They were asking, is it permissible to cut one's nails? Now, what were we talking about? So that she's learning, it's talking about at the time of Avelut. It wasn't Cholam or according to that. She was Avelut. They were asking him, is it no problem? And if they would have asked them another question, are they allowed to shave their mustache on Cholamoyed also, he would have given them a heter. Why? Separate issue over here, that she says, nothing to do with Cholamoyed or Avelut, he was going to give them a heter because normally you're not allowed to cut the peot. You have to be careful to cut the peot. But the mustache is not considered the areas of the peot. And therefore, he would have told them, that it's permissible in general as well. And according to Shmuel, they actually asked him about doing the mustache. And he allowed it. Now, question is, uh, That's the girsa that we have. Safa mizavit lezavit. And when they allowed him to shave, they allowed him to shave the mustache from one corner to the other. Now she says that because the mustache is more lenient when it comes even to Avelut, or even when it comes to Cholam because it affects the eating. If a person has a long mustache, it goes into his mouth and he can't eat. So therefore they were lenient for them to cut the hair over here, the white mustache, because it is me'akev the food. Amar bi'ami, only on the part of the safa on the lip that is interrupting the eating of the food. Amar of Nahmad, Bar Yitzhak, Nahman Bar Yitzhak was very finicky. And he came along and said, The whole mustache is Because he was very, very finicky that he didn't want any of the food to, to go over there. That she says, The aninad da'ati kola safa. So that's that. Now, it was Istanis, exactly. Now, when it comes to uh, this inyan of cutting nails, the big Tosfot over here has ubigenustere asur. What's it genustere? So Tosfot says, perush be'aruch, shuklia metukan litosiponayim. It's like a nail clip, exactly. Bekach shemo. Umelashon de genustere asur, from the fact that it says the genustra's asur, that's a special clipper, like you said, but it sounds like he was matir to use even a, 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 a scissors. You don't have to use only your teeth, you just can't use the clipper. Oh, but when you see the story that the rabbi only used his, uh, his teeth, it sounds like he only used his teeth. Why did he only use his teeth? We learned according to everybody when it comes to Hola Mu'ed, Halakha is, it's mutar. And therefore, why did the Bihana, and it sounds like the Bihana could have used even a clippers. On Hola Mu'ed, there's no Isud. The whole Isud is on maybe Avelut. So therefore, why did he use his, uh, his teeth? Well, maybe he was strict Rabbi Yohanan. And he had like Rabbi Yehuda. And he was Mahmir on Mu'ed. Maybe he was more strict when it came to Hola Mu'ed. That's why he only used his teeth. 
But then the Ben Utam says no. Which means you could also cut your nails with your nails. That they use the nails themselves to cut one with the other. Because that's also considered a shinui. So they were according to these opinions that Yohanan was careful on Cholam to cut his nails but in an unusual manner. Especially that the ladies have to go to the mikveh. That she could make her makeup and make, make herself nice. And That sounds like one of the things she could do. The lady is cut her nails. That she's allowed to cut her hair before she goes to the mikveh. Okay, fine. Then he comes along and he says, He allowed on the holiday. What is that bet over there? Now we answer your question. The Tosfot comes along and says, That within the seven days of Abelut, that's going to be Asur to use the clippers. However, Bishinav Mutav. That it'll be mutar in the seven to do a shinui. Lahar shiv'ah, but after the seven, mutar ab beginustre. So that was his haluk. That avel be mutar, he's just making a haluk between the seven and after the seven. Velo yadarna minale. I don't know where he gets this from. The baraita ayri took shiv'ah. It says clearly, the baraita is talking about seven days. Mm-hmm. Why? In the days of his which is seven. Wow. So he wants to hold like Rabbi Yosef was matir, cutting nails, but he made a haluk between the seven and the thirty. Now during the seven, only ayadeh shinui, and after, anyway. So that's a, a, a big machloket over here in this, in this story over here. Oh, but that brings a proof to this. Because when he went to visit Shemuel, it says Shemuel was cutting his nails in the, in, in the Shiva'ah, and then he threw them at his brother. But it sounds like what? He was only using a Shinui. shinui. And you see that what? That he, from the fact that he uses uh, his uh, fingers... It's going to be Asur. So therefore, you see over here, we have a big discussion that although they're going to be lenient to an Avel, Tosfot sounds like he wants to hold that it'll only be permissible to use the normal way after the seven. But during the seven, while it'll be permissible, it'll only be permissible. And it sounds like it'll be permissible. And don't bring me a proof from Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan says was cutting his nails on Cholam with his, with his teeth, that's because in the Midrash, they don't have scissors. So therefore, if, he would, if they would have brought him a scissors, he would have used the scissors as well. The Gemara then comes along and says, and we continue the Gemara. The Gemara says, with one, two, three, four lines down, Amar Abitol Safra Once we quoted this rabbi, we're continuing a statement from this rabbi. And he says, Paro, Moshe, this Paro that lived in the times of Moshe, who Amma, he was a short guy. His physical stature was short. He was Amma, 
Amaz about two feet long. It was a it was a midget. Uskano Amma, and his zakan, his beard was also Amma. So it used to sweep the floor. Upar mashtako Amma, bezeret, and his Amma, which is his ever, his private part, was also Amma bezeret, which was was obviously bigger than his height and bigger than his beard. This is obviously to be understood in the following way, the En Yaakov says, it's showing you that he was a lowly man, low in stature, but wasn't a, obviously a good guy, therefore puts his stature as low. And it says he was a vain man, therefore his beard was an amadami, he gave very, very much credence to his physical appearance. But the most thing that he had was, he was a Baal Ta'va. He was a man of lust. That's why it says his area of lust was Amma Bazeret, which was Amma plus. This is talking about the, not necessarily the measurements of Paro, but it's talking about his, his priorities. And the priority of Paro was Amato, which was Amma Bazeret. As the Pasuk says, Ushfal Anashim Yakim Aleha, which means it's a double punishment. Not only are the Jewish people going to be subjugated by an enemy, but the enemy that's going to subjugate them is going to be a low life. And Paro was a low life, just what happened in Germany with Hitler. Hitler was a low life. He was a painter, he was put in prison, he was, a, he was a nothing. That's a double punishment. And not only are you going to have a ruler over you, but the, the ruler is going to be from the lowest class. And the Gemara comes along and says, another Inyan. The Gemara says, Ve'amar aviton. Get this paro that lived in the times of Moshe. Amgushi haya. Now, what is a amgushi? So that she says it's a machloket in Masechet Shabbat. One says harashe. Harashe is like a magician, and that's why he would go out to the Nile River because that's where he would get his energy to do his witchcraft. And some say. Gidufeh. Gidufeh means he was a blasphemer. He cursed God. And when he went to the river, as the Pasuk says, it says, What did he do by the river? He said to the Nile River, The river is mine and I created it. So you see, by going to the river, he blasphemed God and he made as if he is the creator. So one of two interpretations. Either he was a magician and his energies came from the Nile or he was... The blasphemer, well, he was probably both. The Gemara then continues. The following people are able to launder their clothes on Hola Mo'ed. That's somebody that was overseas. So they couldn't launder their clothes because they were overseas. And then they came back on the holiday. So now they have no choice. They're honest. Now the Chas says they can launder. Amar Rabbi Aseh. Amar Yohanan, Mishen lo, Ela, Haluk, Echad, Mutal lechabeso becholosh el moed. A person who only has one garment. So he doesn't have the luxury. Even if he's going to clean his garment before Hala Moed, he only has one garment. So therefore they allow him to launder that garment on Hala Moed. Because he needs it, that's his only, only garment. The Gemara says, wait, Mativ is a question. The following, the Mishnah came along and allowed these following people to launder their clothes on Hola Moed. And list, a guy came out of prison. A guy came from captivity. All these people are mutan. But the Mishnah did not include in the Leniencies, it sounds like that only the exceptions of the Mishnah, and since the exception of a person only has one garment was not written in the Mishnah, it sounds like he does not have a exclusion, exception. He does not have a heter, exactly. I will explain it to you. That our Mishnah is talking about where he has 
even if he has two garments. So if he has two garments, so I would have thought, what? So therefore he has two garments. So therefore, when he comes home from Hola Mu'ed, let him come along and, and, and change the other garment. But no, but there are two garments that are dirty. So the Hadushas, even though he has two garments, we allow him to put one on and clean the other one, uh, and vice versa. Why? Because he was away. Since he traveled and he came back, even if he has two garments, we'll give him a leniency. But Hamishnah is not talking about somebody that has one. If he has one, he, of course you can, he can be lenient. He doesn't have to come back from anywhere. He can be lenient from the onset. Mishnah, the Ashish is on the bottom. Amishnah was giving a bigger hetet that these guys who came from Medinatim, even if they have two garments, they can be lenient to clean their garments. Mashiach in one, one would have to say, one for sure is going to be mutar. Shalah Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yaakov bar Giyure Meshemed Rabbi Yohanan. Klipishtan. When it comes to linen garments, which get dirty very easily, so they were lenient when it came to linen, no matter what. You can launder them on Chola Mu'ed. Mativ Rabbah, Rabbah says, I don't know what you're talking about. The Mishnah said, in the exemptions or the exclusions, that's hand towels. That's the towels that the barbers use. Those, the Mishnah said, what? It's going to be, to be permissible. Hani'in, klipishtan, lo, sounds like only these, but not klipishtan. But you just told me what? Klipishtan is going to be permissible. Amar matnitin afilu dish'ar The Mishnah is talking about even if it's made out of other fabrics, other materials, which means if the barber's towel and the hand towel, if they're made out of cotton or they're made out of something else, mutar. But when it comes to pishtan, goes without oh, saying, man. everything will be permissible. And as she tells us, because there's no tirha, <coughs> or I should say there's no excessive tirha when cleaning klipishtan. So therefore they allowed klipishtan to be laundered on hol hamoed. The Gebara continues and says, Amar bar lididi yamashil he says, I saw in Hola Mu'ed, I was by the Tiberia River, by the Kineret, and there was buckets of Klipishtan that was coming out of the water. That means the ladies were going to the water on Hola Mu'ed, cleaning Klipishtan, and I saw buckets full of Klipishtan. He's trying to do a proof that it must be permissible. But Kifla Abayeh, who told you that those ladies that were cleaning Klippishtan by the Kineret were following the rules of the Hakamim? Well, just because you see somebody doing something means he has a heter? Not everybody asks the rabbi before they do something. Maybe they did it And therefore, you have no, you have no proof just because just you see somebody doing something that's no proof that it means that it's necessarily permissible. Just like if you see somebody eating in a restaurant, you say, right, so I'm eating, there must be, it's kosher. It's kosher. Maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't ask. Well, you have to investigate yourself. The one thing, if a person serves you food, then maybe we have a rule of edihad ne'eman. He gives you something to eat, again, he's trusted. But you cannot just rely on somebody that's doing something, maybe you didn't ask. And therefore, shalom b'sur Matniti. The following documents can be write, written up on Cholamoyed, which seems that we have restrictions when it comes to writing. Not everything you can write on Cholamoyed. Only things that are considered Tzorech or it's going to be a Davar Ha'aved. So the following items can be written up on Cholamoyed. Kiddushet Nashim. Number one, one of the ways a lady is married is through a shtar. Like it says in the first Mishnah Kiddushin, Aisha Neknet Bekesef Mishtar Ubebi'ah. What's the shtar? The shtar says, Hare at Mekudesheti Bishtar Zuk Edam Moshe Yisrael, and he gives her the shtar. So the Hadush of the Mishnah is, you can write the shtar on Chola Moed. Now I don't know what they, what they have said is over here. What they have said, they're only allowed to write if there's a Dabara Aved or have said, 
What's the mom? Get married a week later. We have to write it on Holam Moed. So we're going to have to figure out on Holam Moed. We'll see what the problem is. Vigitin. Also, Gitin. Divorce papers. Now, by the divorce paper, you could come along and give a case. You could say, listen, sometimes the guy doesn't want to give a get. Finally, you, finally you convinced him. It's okay if you convinced him. Give it on Holam Moed. Give it at 2 o'clock in the morning. We don't care when you're going to give it. Give it just to give the, the, give the get. That can be, oh, the bed deed is not going to be around after. So therefore, sometimes there's a pressing need to give the get. It's mutar even on Holam Moed. The shovrin. Shovrin is what? Receipts. A shovar. When a person comes along and pays a debt, he's able to ask the one that lent him the money, give me the star back. Because he doesn't want that guy to present the star again. 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 So when he gives him the star, what does he do with it? He rips it up. But let's say the guy who lent the money, the madbeer, says, I lost the star. Now the borrower can say, I want you to write me a receipt. The receipt is called shovar, which means what? Paid in full. So in case this guy comes a later date and pulls out the star, he pulls out his shovar. And therefore, he says, listen, you put it on a star, I paid you. So you're allowed to write that even on cholam. But you have to see again, maybe there's not going to be a bedin around after. I got the three rabbis over here now. I have to write after cholam mo'ed, and I'm going to get these rabbis to write it for me. Yeah. So therefore, do it now, because otherwise it's the avid. Because if the guy gives me a, a star, it's presents a me a star, I have to pay him twice. <laughs> therefore, it's the avid. So we're allowed to write the shovar on cholam mo'ed. Daiteke. Maze daiteke. That she says, Shetar Sabaa. When a person is on his deathbed. Shkiv Merah. So Arachas says, when Shkiv Merah says, give this one to this and give one to that, and he starts to give his last one testament, Shkiv Merah, his word is considered binding. Even though he didn't make a kinyan, even though he didn't do anything more but verbally say, because he's on his deathbed. So Arachas says, if he says it, the witnesses that heard it, they write it down. We heard this guy say, give the house to Ploni, give the farm to Ploni, give the Amorim to so-and-so. That's called Daiteke. Obviously, it has to be written now. Maybe they're going to forget what he said after Cholam Moed. Maybe they're not going to be around the witnesses, so therefore they write the Daiteke immediately. Matana. Matana is a uh, gift, which is obviously somebody gifts something to somebody else, and the witnesses heard it. They can write the Shtar Matana, that so-and-so wants to gift something so and so, Uprozbolin. Uprozbolin is this year, Rabotai. We have over here a law that says that at the end of the Shemitah year, all loans are canceled. That's called Shemitat Kesafim. Unless the Malveh, the one that lent the money, wrote what's called a Perozbol. Perozbol basically shifts the loan from a personal loan to the Bedin. And it says that individuals cannot connect, collect loans during Shemitah, after Shemitah, but Bedin is allowed. So therefore, it's a hefseid. If you're not going to let the, the rabbis are there now writing a prosbol. If he's not going to be able to uh, write in a Cholamoyed, it could be he's going to lose his loan. So therefore, they're allowed to write the prosbol in certain cases on Cholamoyed. Igerot Shum. What's Igerot Shum? Shum is not garlic. Shum over here is Melashon Shuma. Shuma means an assessment. Sometimes Bedin goes to fields and they make an assessment of how much the value of the field is. You know why you need to do that? When it comes to Yerusha. When they want to divide the Yerusha up, so they have to divide the Yerusha, the inheritance equal. So Bedin comes along and says, well, this field is worth this amount of money, so that we know how much he got, so the other brother will get the equal amount. If you don't make the proper assessments, it can affect the Yerushas. As she says, "Bekach shamu bedin sadezu v'natnu la'achim kach bekach nigdo." They're right. We assessed the field this amount, and we gave the other brother corresponding that amount. Again, this would affect the brother's Yerusha. Ve'igerot mazon. Gezot mazon. The Zalacha says that when a man marries a lady, and that lady already has a daughter. So he's obligated to support the stepdaughter. And therefore they write Igirot Mazon, meaning a contract that he accepts upon himself in order to feed the daughter of his wife. Shtar Halitza, if you have a case where a guy was married and he died and he left his wife childless, so there's a law that says the brother of the deceased either makes what's called Yibum, if he doesn't want to make Yibum, he has to make Halitza. Now this lady is forbidden to get married to anybody else 
until either Yibum was made or Halitza. Now let's say the guy, the brother-in-law, does not want to make Yibum. So he makes Halitza. After the Halitza ceremony is done, Betin writes her a document that she is permissible to get married now. Because now when she's going to go to another Bedin, they're going to say, where's your husband? So my husband died. My husband died. Did, you, did they make Halitza to you? Yes. Prove it. So she has to show them that document. So that's called Shtar Halitza. The Shtar Halitza that allows her to get married. Again, you have to say in all these cases that the Betin is around on Cholam If she's not going to do it now, she's not going to be able to get this letter and she's not going to be able to get married. You always have to add an element in this Mishnah to Davara Aved or some type of Hefzed. Umi'unin. What's Shtar Mi'unin? Mi'unin, as we learned uh, many times, is in the olden days, a father was able to marry off his daughter when she was a ketana, like it says, it biti natati, Hakamim stepped in. What about a case of an orphan girl? She does not have a father. So the Hakamim allowed the mother or the brother in order to marry her. But that marriage is not a marriage from the Torah. Because only in the Torah, the father has a right to marry off the daughter, not the mother and the brother. So the Halakha says that when she becomes almost a, a, a gedola, so she's able to uh, refuse and say, I don't want this guy. She goes in front of three rabbis and says, listen, she doesn't need a get. Get is only when you get married in a Torah. But this is not a marriage from the Torah. So all she has to tell the three rabbis is, I refuse. Mi'un. Now what does the Beit Din do at that point? They write her a document. They say, okay, this girl came to us and made Mi'un. She made a refusal. Because this document is very important for this girl. This is her now ticket in order for, to, her, for her to get remarried. Exactly. So that's what they can write it even on Chola Mo'ed. Birurin. What does Shtar Birurin mean? Uh, again, when it comes to Yerusha, Birur means to, to select. That means the Bedin decided when they were dividing, let's say, an estate, that we gave this guy this piece and we gave this guy that piece. So everybody knows legally the real estate that they got from the Yerusha was given to them by Bedins. Birurin. Gezerot Bedin. Sometimes Bedin makes certain types of Gezerot. Uh, like peskedinim rulings and things like that, so they're allowed to write their rulings on Cholam Mo'ed. Sometimes the government makes certain decrees, and the halakha says that you can write down these rulings so the people will know the government's rulings as well. Now the Gemara begins. Amar Shemuel mutar le'ares isha shel Mo'ed. Amazing. Well, we learned earlier, you're not allowed to get married to a lady on Holam Mo'ed. Because the Pasuk says, That means you're not allowed to commingle the Simahot together. So therefore, one cannot get married, consummate a marriage on Holam Mo'ed. But here the Gemara is saying that Irusin is permissible. Because a guy can tell a girl, Why? Why? We're worried that if he doesn't make the Kiddushin, somebody else will come and take her. Okay, what happened to the famous rule that if it belongs to you, it belongs to you, and nobody could take it. That's what the rabbis always told us. And the Gemara is seemingly saying, it's not true. Therefore, if you see a girl and you want her, you better take her. Even on Chabayab. Why? Because there's a guy out there that might grab her from under you. This sounds like it goes against everything they taught us when we were kids. But that's what the Gibbara is saying. I'll bring you a proof. I'll bring you a proof that you can, ma- you can make Kiddushin to a girl on Chola Mo'ed. Why? Because our Mishnah, what does it say in our Mishnah? The Elu Kodvim Bamo'ed. The following items you're allowed to write on Chola Mo'ed. One of them was what? Kiddushin Hashim. So what, what does Kiddushin Hashim mean? My love, Shtare Kiddushin Mamash. It sounds like we, were, like we learned. Hare at Mekodesh So from the fact that the Mishnah is allowing you to write Hare at Mekodesh on the Shtar Kiddushin, that shows you can make Kiddushin on Cholam Lo, no. Shtare 
פסקתא. מה זה שתראה פסקתא? וכתרת גידל. אמרה, שתראה פסקתא, אז how much the two sides are going to give the children? Really, maybe I have no ra'ayah from our Mishnah. Maybe the Mishnah that says Shtar Kiddushin doesn't mean that they have Mekodeshitli. Ela, what is it? The terms. Kama, the Amar of Gidal Amarav. Kama atan oten lebincha, kach vekach. Kama atan oten lebetecha, kach vekach. The terms. The, the, the parents are going to support the children. So before they make the deal in the marriage, it's okay, I'm going to give my kid a house. I'm going to give him a car. So I have to write down the, the terms. So maybe that's what it means when it says in the Mishnah, Shtar Kiddushin, it doesn't mean the Kiddushin Mamash. And therefore you cannot bring a proof from our Mishnah that you can make Kiddushin on Chol HaMu'ed. Well, well, you consider this... I mean, just give me, give me a minute. Let me breathe for a minute here. So it says, Kach Vekach, Amdu Vekidshu, and after the couple made Kiddushin, Kanu. Then whatever was written in that paper automatically is now binding. Those items that are on the paper, you don't need to make a formal kinyan. The kinyan is actually the kiddushin itself. And therefore, once they make the kiddushin, whatever was written on the paper, is considered binding. So we don't have a proof yet from our Mishnah that you can make kiddushin on all you see from Mishnah is you can write a star, Pesikta. Yabara says, Lema Mesayale. I'll bring you a proof from a different place. En nosim nashim bamoed. Nosim means to marry. Lo betulot velo almanot. Not a betula, virgin, not a widow. Velo miyabimim. And you cannot make your boom. Why? Mepinesh simchahi lo. So make an implication, make a diyuk. It only said you cannot make nisu'in. Ha-le-ares, share. But it sounds like irusin, mutar. Again, if you're reading a document, the Mishnah says, en asur, uh, en nus'im. Doesn't say en bekadeshin. So therefore must be what? Kedushin, mutar. Yabarah says, no. Lo mebaya ka'amar. The Mishnah is coming to tell you a lomebaya style, which means what? Lomebaya le'ares. I don't have to tell you Erusin is Asur. There's no mitzvah in Erusin. So for sure that's going to be Asur. Ela, I told you the bigger Hadush. Afilu lisa name de ka'avid mitzvah to get married, whatever the mitzvah is to get married, bin urvu, Asur. So therefore, the fact that the Mishnah said Nisu'in is Asur, Kochiket Erusin is Asur. So therefore, we have no proof from there. Tashema. But now we're going to bring a solid, clear proof. But not Kedisa, which is what? Actual marriage. You can make the Sa'udah, no party. And you can intermingle the Simahot with one and Cholamu'ed. Beautiful. That's the proof. So, Erusin Mutar. And what's the reason we said? Did Shemuel agree with this? That somebody could take your Zivug? Every single day, there's a bat call. There's a heavenly voice that comes out from heaven. And what does the heavenly voice say? The daughter of so-and-so is going to marry so-and-so. This field is going to be to this person. That means a person's wife or a person's real estate. That's all. So therefore, how can you come and tell me, what's yours is yours. They announced it already from the Shamayim. So fine, but if it's yours, it's yours. Sounds like nobody can take it from you. So therefore, if it's coming to you, it's going to come to you. And if it's not going to come to you, all the winds in the world cannot blow it to you. So therefore, how can the Gemara say, Now, Tosfot, before we go further, he comes along and he says, 
We have a simple answer. The Gemaran Sotam made a difference between Zivug Lishon and Zivug Sheni. Zivug Lishon, the first Zivug, that's been a Shaman, they can't touch. But this can be talked about Zivug Sheni. Second marriage, then you have to be concerned. But the Gemaran doesn't give that answer over here. The Gemara does not give the Hadouk between Zivug Rishon and Zivug Shiri. The Gemara gives another answer, which is an unbelievable answer. Ela Sheme Yekademenu Aher. And the Gemara adds one more word. Berachamim. Hazar Berachamim. He's going to pray. The way he's going to affect the other person's Zivug is through prayer. How? The Gemara gives a story. Ki Rava. Story of Rava. Shame lehahu gabra. He heard there was a gabra, a guy. The ba'er hame. He was praying. Because the guy was praying out loud. And he overheard his prayer. And what did he say? The amar tizdamen li planita. Please bring me that girl. That's the girl I want to marry. Specific girl. So the rabbi told him, La tiv'er hame hache. Don't pray for that. Why? If it belongs to you, nobody could take it. And if it's not yours, you're going to become a kofir because you're going to pray. You're not going to get answered. And then what are you going to end up saying? Ah, tefillah doesn't work. <laughs> That's not true. Because such a tefillah doesn't work because it doesn't make a difference. If it's yours, it's yours. If not, not. So therefore, what happened? And he said, it's the following. Let the guy die. Let the guy die who's supposed to marry. Again, he prays that she should die. Actually, he's praying that he should die. Forgive me. He should die. Which I don't want to see it. If she's going to marry somebody else, I cannot be alive to witness it. So therefore, I, he's saying he should die first. Ihu limut mekama, or ihi tamut mekame. Or I'll die. Now that doesn't affect uh, anything. So therefore, you see what? That's when shimi yikedemenu aher berachamim. Berachamim means betfilah. That we're worried that this might happen. That a guy's going to come along and pray because he's jealous. And therefore, he's going to pray that he dies or she dies. So therefore, lock it up. So therefore, so that is, Tefillah is not going to have a chance to, to have a, a hope. So Gebra says, So after, after he, the rabbi saw him praying like this, he says, I don't understand what you're doing. Didn't I tell you don't do this? Because look what happened. By trying to pray for the girl, you ended up making such a crazy Tefillah now that you want to die. I told you, don't get involved in this business over here. Because you can only get into trouble. The first Tefillah is not going to help. And the second tefillah, now look what happened to you. You're praying for yourself to die or that somebody should die. I told you, don't get involved. Let, let, let him run the world. Um, so that allows, that allows uh, somebody to get, make a kiddush, kiddushin, the Zohar, the Zohar has a different interpretation. Ayin Sham and the Zohar Kadosh, that there's certain freeloaders free that are out there that they don't have a zivug. And it was, since they don't have a zivug, so they can grab somebody else's zivu. For example, the child that's born from Yibum. The child that's born from Yibum, he was married already, the Zohar says. He was married already in the previous Gilgul. Now he came back. So there's really nobody there for him. So he's a freelancer. So he's a free agent. Now he can jump in and grab. So the Zohar says, Man this guy, the child of a Yibum. Rabbi Reuven ben Astrobeli. He says like this, We have three proofs. One from the Torah, one from the Navi, one from the Ketubim. That Hashem brings a person's wife to the man. In Arabic they say, Nasib. That means what? It's meant, Ben HaShemayim. Ben HaTorah now, if Lavan and Betuel say it, you can trust them. Because they didn't believe in God. But when it came to Zibugim, when they saw the Si'atad that Eliezer had 
to bring Rivka for Yitzhak, even they were forced to admit Ma'ashem Yitzhak, because they were trying to sabotage it. They tried to kill Eliezer, they tried to convince Rivka, whatever they were doing didn't work. So they were forced to say, Ma'ashem Yitzhak So they were Mo'yebai Tehakemeni. Sometimes we learn from the enemies. If they say it, <laughs> you can take it to the bank. Men HaNevi'im Dekhtiv, Ve'aviv Ve'imor, Lo Yad'u, that was by Shimshon. When Shimshon was marrying the Pilishti girl, uh, the parents of Shimshon, Manoah and Slalponit, they were shocked. What kind of girl is our son marrying? But they didn't realize that this was Menashemayim, that Hashem wanted him to infiltrate Pilishtim, and therefore, you see again, Mehashem was from God. Menakitubim, Dikhtiv. Bayit Vahon, Nahalat Avot. That sometimes wealth comes from nahalat avot. Sometimes even if a person, let's say, does not deserve the uh, uh, the wealth on his own right, but zkut avot, he gets a yirusha. However, mahashem, misham maskalid. But a wise wife, that comes from God. If a person marries to marry a wise girl, that already happened from the time of conception. So you see all these things are what? Mahashem yatsadavah. Somebody comes and suspects a person of something. Yeah. He, he didn't do it. The Gemara says, no, no, no. you must have done it at some time. And therefore, if the suspicion came on you, that means one time you must have committed that sin that's why Hashem is punishing the guy. That's why they're suspecting him. So the Gabbara says, V'im lo asa, kulo asa miksato. And even if the guy didn't do the whole thing, but maybe he did partial. And therefore, they're getting him. V'im lo asa miksato, inher belibol asoto. Wow. And even if he didn't do it, in his brain already he had a kavanah to do it. And that already is going to cause the guy to get punished. That what? That they're going to hold him that he's going to be suspected. So the Gemara comes along and says, But let's say, not even had a hirur. However, he saw other people that did it, and he was happy. That's already a cause for him to have a suspicion on him. Why? Because you, you, uh, you were happy with the other guy. Mativ Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov has a question. It says the Jewish people made claims against God. Obviously, things that God never did. So you see what? You're telling me that if a person, people suspect him, that means he's guilty. I'm going to be here, it says. They were putting claims on God. Bechi Hashem is guilty. Hazbun Shalom. Over there was some kaas. Over there, we know the reason why they did it. The reason because they were angry at Hashem. We're talking about over here where the, the rumors are not being motivated by any personal anger or animosity. The rumors are just coming naturally. But of course, if we know that the rumors are coming from a source of hatred, finish. It's, it's biased. Don't, don't pay attention to it. Gemara says, Tashema. This is amazing Gemara. The people were jealous of Moshe in the Mahane. What does it mean? Rab Shmuel bar Yitzhak Amar melamed Amazing. The people, according to this Gemara, sounds like they suspected Moshe for going with their wives. So therefore, they made what's called kinui. Remember, we learned in Masechet Sota that if you suspect your wife of going with another man or suspicious activity, so you have to tell the wife, I'm putting you on warning. I do not want you to be secluded yeah, yeah, yeah. with this guy. So, that means everybody made kinui to their wives because they suspected Moshe. 
Now the Gemara say, Hasbun Shalom, how can they suspect him? Bechim Moshe is suspected of such a thing? So the Gemara comes along and says, Hata Mishum Sin'ahu Da'avod. Again, they had Sin'ah against Moshe. And therefore it was coming because they wanted to get Moshe. Once already you find out, you said there's a bias or there's animosity, don't pay attention to it. Now, over here, we're going to be angry at him. Because, uh, maybe because uh, he told them they're going to die in the Midbar for 40 years. Whatever, that claims against Moshe. Now, the question is, the people really suspected that Moshe had been, what's the, what's the basis? So some explain that it's based on Moshe Rabbeinu separated from his wife. So the people said, Vichy, uh, a person can separate from his wife, Eli must be. Uh, that's one interpretation. The second interpretation I saw is unbelievable. What happened when the Jewish people were going to do Heta Egel? So what happened? The men went to their wives and they said, Give us the gold. They said, No, we're not giving you our gold over here. And therefore, they didn't listen to their husbands. They didn't want to do the Egel. When Moshe Rabbeinu came after to build the Mishkan, this week's Perashah, what happened? All the ladies brought Moshe Rabbeinu the gold. They said, ah, something's fishy over here. When we asked our wife for the gold, <laughs> we don't get anything. Then when Moshe Rabbeinu got the gold, he gave them, I can But again, all this was because ultimately there was animosity. So now the Gemara says, Tashema. Amar Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, he says, I want to be from the people that the people suspect me and I don't have it. That means let them ma'ashet me, which means that it'll be just, uh, you know, uh, faulty rumors. That's why. It'll be kapara for him. Let them suspect me. Let them embarrass me. And I know I didn't do the item. Let me be with those people. He says, to me, they were Hoshet, Velo Ababi. Now we have a question over here. Because we said before that once there's a Hashad, he must be did it. Now how can you give me a story now of a Hashad where there's nothing there? No, no, no. There's a Hashad, there's something there. So the Gabra says, La Kashya, Ha Bekala de Pasik, Ha Bekala de la Pasik. Now we talk about something else. We keep on adding more conditions to this rule. There's a kala de la pasik. If the rumor just keeps on going and going and going, something. there's something there. That's no. kala de la pasik. But exactly. But kala de pasik, if it starts and ends, that's already nothing. There's no legs. Now, don't think that kala de la pasik is forever. The Gabriel is going to say it's a very short time. The Gabriel says, How much is it? The kala de la pasik ad kama. Amar abaye, amra li'em. He says, My nurse told me when I was young. Dome de Mata, the rumors in the city, Yoma Upalga, a day and a half. Because what as long as it lasts longer than one news cycle. How long is a news cycle? A day. Usually what happens? The next day, people forget about it, move on to the next item. However, if it lasts a day and a half, now it's a news cycle and a half. Oh already, that's Kaladala Pasi. Once already it makes it to the next two days, we're in trouble. However, so that so that Gemara says we have two things now. If it's coming out of animosity, forget about it. If it's kala de pasik, that it's lasting for less than a day and a half, forget about it either. Gemara says now another condition. Vehi pasak again aval pasak bene vehani midi delo pasak bene bene. When do we say that a day and a half is considered a, a legitimate rumor when there was no interruption in between? Where the rumor was kept on being fueled a day and a half consecutive, without any half sick. But once already, it's the, that means the morning paper had it, the afternoon paper didn't have it. So therefore, it's not the consistent. Not exactly, you don't have to worry about it. Like Abraham said, even if the rumor had a break, lo amran ela de lo pasak it means, what caused the rumor to stop? Not because of fear. It stopped naturally, organically. But if the guy who the rumor is on him caused the people to be afraid and he caused them to stop talking, 
That's no proof. <laughs> the only reason why they kept quiet is not because exactly yes. not, not because there's no rumor because they're afraid. But therefore, you have to discern when the rumor stops. You have to ask what caused it right. to stop. If it stopped organically, it's okay. That's not a rumor. Don't pay attention to it. But say, oh, this guy's a bully. He came along and he made everybody uh, afraid. Oh, so therefore, that means the rumor is legitimate. That means that even another condition. When would we say that a rumor is consecutive? You have to be concerned. Let's say the rumor stopped. Let's say Let's say it stopped. But now what? It came back. If it didn't come back to the same level as it was, you don't have to worry about it. It's only talking about where it came back and sprouted to the same level as it was before. If you look at the Rashi, Rashi says, Aval hadam nabat debata de pasik, that after it stopped, hitkil kala nabat nishma demyon kimo masikatani, dain sumer abram, fine. Which means tzamah. It has to grow, nabat nashon tzamah, grow. If it grows back to the original level. Aval hadam nabat, but if it grew back, lo. Then already, that's not considered a hipsik. Because even if there was a hipsik in between, let's say, not, not mahmatirah. Not Mahmatira. Mahmatira, I have sick, is nothing. Even if it was organically, the thing stopped. But then when it came back, it came back just as strong as it was before. That's, oh, that's alive. It's still alive. Like we saw this. This is all talked about where there's no enemies. But once you introduce enemies, the enemies are fueling the. The, the item, the, the claim. So let's review. If there's enemies, you don't pay attention to anything. Now we're talking about there's no enemies. Beautiful. Now what? You have over here kala. What type of kala? Kala de la pasik. Ah, kala de la pasik. How long? A day and a half. Oh, a day and a half, that's a serious enemy. But so long as it's a, it's a day and a half consecutively. And if it stops in between, it's not an issue. Unless it stops because of yir'ah. Stop from Yir'ah, that's not considered a hipsek. And even if it didn't stop Mahmat Yir'ah, if when it came back, it came back on a lower level, already, already it's starting to dwindle down. But if it didn't stop Mahmat Yir'ah, but when it came back, it came back on the same level, then already you have to say this thing doesn't go away. Therefore, it is a true, uh, true item. So when the Rabbi Yosef came along and said, I wish I'm from the people that are Hoshed me. And I don't have it. It was to my kala de pasik. Meaning for a day they're talking, then it disappeared. So why does he wish he's like that? Because that's already considered a kapara. It'll be, you know, he doesn't have the suspicion that they're saying. Okay, Adkan, Baruch Amen, Amen.